We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And away we go, episode 306 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022, and it is a Stanley Cup playoff game day in the nation's capital. Capitals at the Florida Panthers, Tuesday night at 7.30 in game one of a first round series in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, the Caps are the lowest seed in the Eastern Conference. The Caps are the second wildcard team in the Eastern Conference. The Panthers were the best team in the NHL in the regular season. They won the President's Trophy. Uh, the Caps per win bet are plus 280 to win the series. Uh, they are a significant underdog in this series. Coming up on the show, a special guest to preview Caps Panthers, Smokin' Al Koken of NBC Sports Washington. Yes, we will have Al and Al on this installment of the podcast. Not Mike and Mike, but Al and Al. Uh, Smoking Al is a former colleague of mine. He's a good man. Uh, Nobody has more tenure in Washington, D.C. when it comes to covering the Cavs than Smoking Al Koken. And Smoking Al is going to speak truth to us about the Cavs' goaltending situation and the Alex Ovechkin injury situation and how the Caps can win this series against the Panthers and more. But Smokin' Al Koken isn't the only special guest on this installment of the Al Galdi podcast because coming up shortly, I will chat with North Carolina offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Phil Longo, and we will talk Sam Howell, who, of course, the commanders on Saturday afternoon took in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL draft. Uh, Phil Longo was Sam Howell's offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for all three of Howell's seasons at UNC and for all three of Howell's seasons as the Tar Heels starting quarterback. Trust me, you do not want to miss what Coach Longo has to say about Howell. And yes, of course, Coach Longo is biased. He's a big fan of Sam Howell, but there's a lot of good insight uh, into Howell as a quarterback that you're going to hear. What can Sam Howell be 
for the Commanders? That is the question, and a piece to the puzzle that is the answer to that question is on the way in my conversation with Phil Longo. Uh, Also, next segment, I'll give you my thoughts on some Commanders news on Monday. Uh, They reportedly have agreed with unrestricted free agent guard Trey Turner on a one-year contract, as in the Trey Turner, who was a Pro Bowl guard for the Carolina Panthers for years during Ron Rivera's tenure as Panthers head coach. Uh, We know that Ron loves himself players who played for the Panthers. I wonder, is Ron in Caps Panthers rooting for the Panthers just because he can't resist the allure of a team called the Panthers? We'll have to find out about that, but uh, I will address the continuing of the Carolina imports to the Commanders and also what the Commanders are getting in Trey Turner. And I'll talk Orioles. Uh, They on Monday night did lose a 2-1 loss to the Minnesota Twins at Oriole Park at Camden Yards in game one of a four-game series. But the O's on Monday night did get yet another good outing from a starting pitcher, this time Tyler Wells. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Luke Archer on the commanders taking Jahan Dotson in the first round of the 2022 draft. Writes Luke, I do not care about Dotson's size. There are a lot of elite receivers in the NFL who are short. Now there are a lot of deep threats on the commanders, and now they have great receiver depth. It was too far of a reach to take Dodson, and there were other great players available, but if Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew are right about how good Dodson is, it's a good pick. Uh, Thank you for the email, Luke. Uh, I am with you. Size does not matter in terms of whether a receiver can be elite. Plenty of elite receivers are and have been smaller guys. Now, I don't think it ever hurts to have a great big receiver on your team, and the commanders still are lacking a great big receiver on the team. But yeah, Jahan Dodson can be a major player player for the commanders, even at his size. And remember, it's not like he's tiny, okay? Dodson at the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine measured as being 5'10", and five-eighths of an inch and 178 pounds. So he's not Drake London in terms of size, but it's not like Dotson is some, you know, Smurf either. But the thing with the Jahan Dotson selection is something that Luke hit on. And I think it's important to remember this. So the commanders taking Jahan Dotson with the number 16 overall pick may have been a reach from a standpoint of him potentially having been available later in the draft. But ain't nobody going to really care about that if Dotson ends up being a very good NFL receiver. Like, that's the thing. If Dotson ends up being a really good NFL receiver, nobody is going to really care that the commanders took him at 16 when maybe they could have traded down again and gotten him later in the first round. Maybe even in the second round. There are those who say that Jahan Dotson would have been taken in the second round. I'm not so sure about that. Now, if Dotson ends up not being a very good NFL receiver and Chris Olave, who the commanders could have taken at 11, ends up killing it in the NFL and or Jamison Williams, who the commanders could have taken at 11, ends up killing it in the NFL, then Rod Rivera is going to get killed for trading down and taking Dotson. Although, remember this, the commanders trading down in the first round with the New Orleans Saints, ultimately netted the commander's four players. Receiver Jahan Dotson, running back Brian Robinson Jr., quarterback Sam Howell, and tight end Cole Turner. So think about it like this. Would you rather that the commanders have Chris Olave or Jamison Williams, or would you rather that the commanders have the four-player package 
of Dotson, Robinson, Howell, and Turner. And I know that the scenario isn't as simple as the question that I just posed, but for the sake of simplicity, think about it like that. Would you rather that the commanders have only Alave or only Williams, or would you rather that the commanders have Dotson, Robinson, Howell, and Turner? The NFL draft, in a lot of ways, is a numbers game. All picks are risks to varying degrees. You minimize risk when you diversify. So the commanders, instead of using that number 11 overall pick on one player, turn that pick into four players. As a general philosophy, I think that that's really smart. And there's enough to like about Jahan Dotson to where him being a very good NFL receiver isn't implausible. And imagine this. What if Dotson ends up being better than both Chris Olave and Jamison Williams and the commanders get something, maybe a whole lot of something, at a Brian Robinson Jr., Sam Howell, and Cole Turner? I know that that's like the most optimistic picture to paint, but that is a possibility. Email from Scott, the owner of Imageworks on the Commanders 2022 draft. As I have said, Scott's a big fan of Washington, D.C. area teams, including the Commanders, right, Scott? Overall, I am very happy with the draft. The extra picks were well worth moving back for over injured options that likely will not be any better anyways. Jahan Dotson's film is sick. Love that Federian Mathis can play right away as a run stopper and develop. Love the second trade back that netted Sam Howell and Cole Turner. Love the Percy Butler pick. All should contribute right away with major upside. Uh, Thank you for the email, Scott. So Scott hit on something that is so key. Contribute right away. Whether the commanders will admit this publicly or not, they in the 2022 draft took players with significant collegiate experience, took players who are mature, took players who address needs. And all of that adds up to playing right away, to contributing right away. Now, whether these players are good right away is to be determined. Uh, But just go down the list. Jahan Dodson should be a top three receiver for the commanders immediately. Uh, Fedarian Mathis should inherit the Matt Ioannidis role and play immediately. Brian Robinson Jr. can be the commander's short yardage specialist and maybe even a lot more immediately. Uh, Percy Butler, you know, Ron Rivera in his post-draft press conference on Saturday said that Butler will compete at safety and nickel corner. Butler could play immediately. Uh, We have Logan Thomas coming off a torn ACL that he suffered this past December 5th in the win at the Las Vegas Raiders. And so Cole Turner could play immediately. Uh, Sam Howell could be the commander starting quarterback in week one. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Calm down. Everybody calm down. Uh, (laughs) But you get the idea, okay? Ron Rivera in the 2022 draft, for the most part, took players with significant collegiate experience, took players who are mature, took players who address needs, and all of that adds up to playing right away. Ron has made it no secret that the commanders in the 2022 season need to have a step forward season. And I do think that that edict, whether the edict is self-imposed or has been imposed by the owner, Dan Snyder, governed much of what the commanders did in their 2022 draft. Now, personally, I think that drafting for need and drafting for immediate help is a very dangerous way to do the NFL draft, but that doesn't mean that that way can't work. Well, what definitely works is working 
with Imageworks. Uh, if you own, run, or work at a business that you want to grow, if you want your business to generate more revenue, then you got to work with Imageworks. Imageworks is a full-service boutique web design branding and marketing company. And Imageworks has a new special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a free digital marketing plan for any qualifying company. Yes, a free digital marketing plan. What comes with a free digital marketing plan? Uh, a review of your current marketing and advertising tactics, a review of all marketing and advertising options, the setting of a marketing budget that is proper for your business, a PDF of a final plan, including recommendations, and more. Take advantage of this free offer. Let Imageworks help your business or practice generate more revenue, no matter where your business or practice is located. You know, you don't have to be in the Washington, D.C. area to work with Imageworks. Just go to imageworkscreative.com, click on contact near the upper right corner, and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for a free offer. That's imageworkscreative.com. Image, one word, works, plural, creative.com. Imageworkscreative.com. Click on contact near the upper right corner and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. Uh, also, you can call or text the owner of Imageworks, the man whose email I just read to you, Scott, at 703-928-7309. That's 703-928-7309. If you hit him up, uh, you can disagree with him on the commander's draft if you like, but make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. Also, for any listener of the podcast who refers a client to Imageworks who signs with Imageworks, Imageworks will send that listener to a Commanders, Capitals, Nationals, or Wizards game. Just go to imageworkscreative.com, click on contact near the upper right corner, and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. Or just call or text Scott at 703 703- 928-7309 and mention this podcast for the free offer. Make your business better. Make more money by working with Imageworks. Imageworks, creative minds focused on one goal, your business success. All right, before we get to the first of our two special guests on this episode of the Al Galdi podcast, North Carolina offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Phil Longo talking about quarterback and commander's 2022 fifth round draft choice, Sam Howell. I do want to address the commander's news from Monday. Uh, we on Monday had two commander's news items. A, the commanders reportedly have agreed on a contract with unrestricted free agent guard Trey Turner. B, the commanders on Monday afternoon officially announced the signings of 13 undrafted free agents. Included in those undrafted free agents, included in those UDFAs, UDFAs, undrafted free agents are UDFAs. Uh, included in those 13 undrafted free agents is a quarterback. Uh, this guy, Cole Kelly, out of southeastern Louisiana, University. Uh, how about this guy, Cole Kelly, at the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine, measured as being six seven and three eighths of an inch, and 249 pounds. Uh, the guy is massive for a quarterback, six seven plus. Uh, Cole Kelly played for Arkansas for two seasons, 2017 and 2018, then transferred to Southeastern Louisiana University, which is an FCS school. Uh, Kelly was a quarterback 
for Southeastern Louisiana University for three seasons, 2019 through 2021. And Kelly, for the 2020-2021 season, won the Walter Payton Award, which goes to the top offensive player in the FCS. And I say the 2020-2021 season because Southeastern Louisiana University's 2020 season became a 2020-2021 season due to COVID-19. But how about that? Cole Kelly won the Walter Payton Award. Uh, A lot of people consider that to be the FCS equivalent of the Heisman Trophy in the FBS. And as you may know, an old Dominion quarterback named Taylor Heineke won the Walter Payton Award for the 2012 season. But the biggest news for the Commanders on Monday was them reportedly agreeing on a deal with Trey Turner. As, yes, we have a Trey Turner in Washington, D.C. sports. Once again, uh, the Nationals traded Trey Turner to the Los Angeles Dodgers in July 2021, and the Commanders are signing Trey Turner in May 2022. Uh, The signing is not yet official, but we expect the signing to become official very soon. The timing of the commander striking a deal with Trey Turner is significant. Uh, It was on Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern that any unrestricted free agent signing with an NFL team no longer counted against the team's compensatory draft pick formula. So once the commander signing of Turner becomes official, that signing will not count against the commander's compensatory draft pick formula. In case you don't know, comp picks aren't just based on who a team loses in free agency. Comp picks also are based on who a team signs in free agency. There's a secret proprietary formula that the NFL has never publicly released, although overthecap.com basically has figured out the comp pick formula. Uh, The commanders, as things stand right now, are projected to get a third round comp pick for losing right guard Brandon Sheriff as an unrestricted free agent this offseason and are projected to get a seventh round comp pick for losing interior defensive lineman Tim Settle as an unrestricted free agent this offseason. Comp picks only go as high as being third round picks. There's no such thing as a second round comp pick or a first round comp pick. Uh, But instead of signing Trey Turner prior to Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern and potentially sacrificing the seventh round pick that's coming for the defection of Tim Settle, the commanders intelligently have waited. And that seventh round pick for the departure of Settle remains on the way, at least according to to overthecap.com. Uh, the commanders reportedly are signing Trey Turner to a one-year, $3 million contract. It would seem that Turner, Andrew Norwell, and Wes Schweitzer will compete for the commander's starting guard spots, with probably Norwell set to start, and then Turner and Schweitzer battling for the other starting guard spot. Uh, this coming season will be Turner's age 29 season. Trey Turner is becoming the third outside free agent who the commanders have signed this offseason. Yeah, just three. Uh, Those three players are Turner, Andrew Norwell, and defensive lineman F.A. Obata. And do you know what all three of those guys have in common? I know. You got to think long and hard about this, right? What do all three of those guys, Trey Turner, Andrew Norwell, and F.A. Obata have in common? Well, I'll tell you what they have in common. All three guys played for Ron Rivera during his time as head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Yes, I know. Shock face. Uh, All three guys 
are certified members of the Carolina Mafia. Uh, all three guys are certified commanders, as my friend J.P. Finley, commanders insider for NBC Sports Washington, likes to say. Uh, the Panthers took Trey Turner in the third round of the 2014 NFL Draft out of LSU. He played for the Panthers for six seasons, 2014 through 2019. So Turner played for current Commanders head coach Ron Rivera during his time as Panthers head coach. Uh, Ron was Panthers head coach from January 2011 to December 2019. And Turner played for current Commanders offensive line coach John Matsko during his time as Panthers offensive line coach. Uh, Matsko was the Panthers offensive line coach from 2011 through 2015 and was the Panthers running game coordinator from 2016 through 2019, working with Ron for the entirety of Ron's tenure as Panthers head coach. Now, Trey Turner, during his time with the Panthers, was good. Uh, He made the Pro Bowl in five consecutive seasons, 2015 through 2019. Uh, Not that making the Pro Bowl these days means what it used to mean, but, you know, it's hard to not be a good player and make the Pro Bowl in five consecutive seasons. Like, you're doing at least a few things well, if not a lot of things well, if you make the Pro Bowl in five consecutive seasons. Uh, it's important to know, though, that Pro Bowler Trey Turner is not who the commanders are signing. Now, if it happens to be that he plays at a Pro Bowl level for the commanders, outstanding. But Trey Turner's career has fallen off over the last two seasons. Uh, the Panthers, in March 2020, traded Turner to the Los Angeles Chargers for left tackle Russell Okun. Uh, but Turner, in the 2020 regular season for the Chargers, played in just nine games due to a groin injury, and he was that good. Uh, Trey Turner's overall grade for Pro Football Focus for the 2020 regular season was a woeful 34.8. A PFF grade can be as high as 100. Trey Turner's overall grade for PFF for the 2020 regular season was 34.8. That is rather rough. Uh, The Chargers in March 2021 released Trey Turner. So think about that. Chargers gave up a left tackle in Russell Okun to acquire Turner and then released Turner just a year later. Uh, Turner in June 2021 signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers as an unrestricted free agent. He in the 2021 regular season for the Steelers started all 17 of their games. Uh, He was better as compared to how he played for the Chargers. Uh, Turner Pro Football Focus had an overall grade of 69.4 for the 2021 regular season. That's a lot better than 34.8, though, you know, 69.4 is an outstanding. Also, Turner in the 2021 regular season for PFF did allow seven sacks, and Turner in the 2021 regular season committed six penalties. Uh, There's also this. Trey Turner was part of a Steelers offensive line that this past season was horrendous. Uh, The Steelers for the 2021 regular season finished number 31 out of 32 NFL teams in team pass block win rate for ESPN at 49% and finished number 30 out of 32 NFL teams in team run block win rate for ESPN at 67%. Uh, So, you know, you got to keep in mind the version of Trey Turner that the commanders are getting here. Personally, I do think that there should be competition between Wes Schweitzer and Trey Turner. I don't think it should just be, hey, Trey Turner is one of the commander's two starting guards now. You know, Wes Schweitzer has been very solid 
for Washington over the last two seasons. I wouldn't just assume that Trey Turner is the better option than Wes Schweitzer is at this point, but I endorse the commander signing Trey Turner. I mean, this is a one-year low-cost signing. This, if nothing else, adds depth to the commander's offensive line, and Trey Turner potentially is a starting guard for the commanders. And if you can get yourself a starting guard on a one-year, $3 million contract, I'm all for that. Uh, And when it comes to the whole Carolina Mafia thing, when it comes to the whole Commanders thing, uh, yes, it can become tedious. It can be annoying. It can make you wonder if Ron Rivera is ever actually interested in players who did not play for him during his time as Panthers head coach, even though, of course, Ron, as Washington head coach in the coach-centric approach, has brought plenty of players without Panthers ties to Washington. But specific to the commander's offensive line, here's my thinking on everything right now. Whatever the commanders do is fine by me. The commanders, when it comes to their offensive line, have very much earned a benefit of the doubt. Washington's offensive line in the 2020 season was surprisingly good. Washington's offensive line in the 2021 season was surprisingly great despite so many injuries. Washington in the 2021 regular season saw so many key offensive linemen miss substantial time due to injury. Right tackle Samuel Cosme, right guard Brandon Sheriff, uh, center Chase Rulier. Washington, remember, was down to its fourth string center in Keith Ismail as the season went on. And yet, Washington finished the 2021 regular season number nine in the NFL in team pass block win rate for ESPN at 63%, and number one in the NFL in team run block win rate for ESPN at 75%. Uh, The commander's current offensive line coach, John Matsko, is the franchise's best offensive line coach since the greatest offensive line coach in franchise history, Joe Bugle. And so to me, if signing yet another (laughs) ex-Panther in Trey Turner is the way that Ron Rivera and John Matsko want to go, then so be it. You know, I am not going to do some anti-Carolina Mafia rant, some anti-Commanders rant, uh, off the Commanders reportedly agreeing on a deal with Trey Turner. You can doubt many things with our football team. Uh, I think that you're wrong to doubt anything that the team does with the offensive line, given how well Ron Rivera and John Matsko, given how well Ron and John have done over the last two seasons with the offensive line, both in terms of personnel decisions and in terms of coaching guys up. I mean, John Matsko is like a wise sage when it comes to NFL offensive line play. John Matsko is 71. He has been an NFL offensive line coach in some form since 1992, okay, 30 years ago. Uh, And Matsko in 1992, very interestingly, was the offensive line coach for the Phoenix Cardinals, not the Arizona Cardinals, the Phoenix Cardinals. And who was the Cardinals head coach at the time? Joe Bugle. How about that? Joe Bugle and John Matsko, two of the greatest offensive line minds in NFL history, kind of like the great legal minds at the law firm of Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, you should contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that offers 
tenacious advocacy for personal injury and medical malpractice victims throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. If you or your family is dealing with a personal injury or medical malpractice matter, contact Paulson and Nace and tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. The phone number is 202-902-7611. You can schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yeah, you're obligated to nothing. You have questions, you have concerns. Lean on the expertise of Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611 and make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. For nearly 40 years, the Washington, D.C., Personal injury lawyers of Paulson and Nace have represented plaintiffs in medical malpractice, drug, and other product liability claims, as well as countless other personal injury matters, all the way through trial and jury verdicts, winning and securing multi-million dollar verdicts and settlements for clients. I've known the Naces for two plus decades. These guys know what they're doing. Chris Nace is a past president of the D.C. Trial Lawyers. Matt Nace is a member of the board of the D.C. Trial Lawyers. The attorneys at Paulson and Nace offer clients in-depth explanations of clients' rights regarding treatment and consent and provide comfort and options to families. Paulson and Nace works with you. The family of Paulson and Nace can help your family make difficult decisions and can provide the answers to your questions when you need answers most. It's very simple. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611 to schedule a no-obligation appointment and tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit PaulsonandNace.com. That's PaulsonandNace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace take care of your family. Do not forget to give the Al Galdi podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Do not forget to write a brief one or two cents review on Apple Podcasts saying how much that you like the podcast. Uh, the ratings and reviews help out the podcast a lot. And thank you very much for doing those things. You know, it's funny how things can work out. A player who our commanders took in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL draft perhaps has generated more conversation than any other player who the commanders took in the 2022 draft. A uh, few cities do quarterback controversies as often and as fervently as our city, Washington, D.C., does. And no, we don't have a quarterback controversy with the commanders. Not yet, anyway. Uh, but no, Car- Carson Wentz is the commander's starting quarterback. That's as clear as can be. But we do have quarterback uncertainty with the commanders, right? I mean, Carson Wentz is not a sure thing, And big picture, we have had quarterback uncertainty with the team now known as the Commanders for years, okay? The position of quarterback for the franchise now known as the Commanders has been unsettled for years. But we now have increased quarterback intrigue for the Commanders with them having taken North Carolina quarterback Sam Howell in the fifth round of the 2022 draft. Uh, I am a big fan of the Commanders having taken Sam Howell, if for no other reason than taking him was a great value pick. Uh, Howell was the number 34 player on Pro Football Focus's big board for the 2022 draft, and yet the commanders took Howell with the number 144 overall pick in the draft. But what exactly do the commanders have in Sam Howell? Does he have the talent 
to become the commander's starting quarterback at some point. Could he be a rare non-first-round quarterback who becomes a franchise NFL quarterback? Well, I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast a man who knows Sam Howell as a football player maybe better than anyone does, North Carolina offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Phil Longo. Uh, Coach Longo joined UNC's football staff as offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach in December 2018. So Coach Longo was Sam Howell's offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for all three of Howell's years at North Carolina. Coach Longo, prior to his stint at UNC, was Ole Miss's offensive coordinator for two seasons, 2017 and 2018. Coach Longo, how are you? I'm doing great. I appreciate the invite. I appreciate you coming on. Have you spoken with Sam Howell since he got drafted by the Commanders? Oh, of course. And I know right now he is excited, uh, probably more so than any other reason, just to have an idea. No, he knows what the destination is right now. You know, I said, when's rookie camp? He said this weekend. And and uh, I just know him from the last three and a half years. He is just focused on preparing for everything he's got to do out there right now and and getting the next chapter of his life started here. Do the commanders strike you as a good fit for Sam Howell? So I'm I'm not going to lie and say schematically that I know what they're doing in Washington. I will tell you this, though. On Monday, I will know because I'm going to spend the weekend watching all that stuff because I'm really, really curious to see, you know, what they're going to be asking Sam to do. And of course, I think he's going to be an asset to any program, but I'm also biased because I was his coach. I just know that from a preparation standpoint, he he's top shelf. He's at, he's elite, and he'll be ready when the time comes. And I also know he can make any throw on the field. So he's he's a, he's a, an incredible arm talent, and he's a guy that understands the importance of preparing. And I think when you have those two things, along with his maturity and his leadership, he's going to give himself an opportunity to contribute in Washington. Yeah, so with that Sam Howell arm talent, what stood out to you about Sam Howell, the thrower, over his three seasons at North Carolina? You know, being able, you know, saying that a guy can make all the throws is kind of a cliche comment I think a lot of people make about the quarterbacks nowadays. And But I, I'm, I'm just telling you, honestly, there is not a single throw on the field that Sam can't make with velocity and accuracy. I mean, he's he's really special that way. Uh, he's constantly evaluating his own throws to say, you know what, I'm not quite where I want to be on this, that, or the other. And then that's what he's working on from a footwork standpoint. And a, But there's never anything that he really has to work really, really hard at to get the throw there because he can make them all. So you I... I it's always been that coupled with his preparation that's given him an opportunity to compete just about every game. Preparation obviously is so key for a quarterback. In what ways did Sam Howell impress you with his preparation? So there's, there's a certain learning curve, and every player is different, especially a quarterback with regards to how quickly he can learn things. I think a lot of these guys, when they care, can get up on the board and draw the play up X and O wise. And they can talk about their assignment. The thing that separates a truly great quarterback from just a good one or just another body at the position are the ones that can take all that knowledge in the meeting room and it can translate into execution and production on the field. 
and that's where all of a sudden now you go from having a number of guys that really understand the game on film or on the board, and a lot of them fall away when you get out on the field and the bullets are flying. And what made Sam the immediate starter in August camp when he came in as a true freshman was his ability to take what he was being taught or what he knew in the classroom, and you you saw it. It came to life. It was like, you know, painting a picture. You know, it just came to life, and it was – Real quick, you found out he's not going to be a rep guy. You tell him something once, he knows it. He's going to go out, he's going to execute it. If he's not great at it, he's going to work at it and get better. And so we were able to advance just to keep feeding his hunger and to keep him challenged. After the first season, we started calling the offense against all of the NFL defenses just to challenge him a little bit more, you know, because we had gone through the ACC opponents so often. (laughs) <laughs> wow, that's a pretty cool thing to hear. We're talking about Sam Howell, the quarterback out of North Carolina, who the Commanders took in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL Draft with North Carolina offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Phil Longo. So your Tar Heels offenses have put up major production over the last three seasons. Sam Howell was your starting quarterback for all three of those seasons. What worked well in terms of the mesh between your scheme and and Sam Howell? Well, it, it, the players make the coaches. The coaches don't make the players. I think where we have a responsibility on the coaching end is to not screw it up. And so when you have a guy like Sam who's capable of doing so much, it gives us, it, it affords us the luxury of, of being able to throw the deep ball with great accuracy and, and with a high completion percentage. It gives us a chance to make all the now throws and get great athletes the ball in space you know, underneath on the short automatic stuff and the screens. You know, he's a really good intermediate pass guy. Um, he can run the football. We took full advantage of that this last season out of absolute necessity. Um, we're not, was not able to take advantage of his athletic ability the first two years because of uh, much different depth in that quarterback room. This year, you know, we were really, really deep and it afforded us the opportunity to play Sam more. And we needed Sam to run the football more to replace, help replace 2,000-yard rushers that we lost from the season before. So hey, he, he is uh, he's special. And, and, and much like college recruiting, as soon as the high school kid gets here, all the stars go away, and they have to execute and produce. And it really doesn't come down to anything more than that. And I, and I can imagine not having coached in the league, so I don't know. But I, I can't imagine that uh, – what round somebody was drafted in really means anything or makes that big of a difference once they're there. I think it's going to come down to execution and production again. And I, and I think, as I said earlier in the day here, I think Sam will be that fifth round draft pick on the 30 for 30 talking about look where he is now. I tell you what, Coach Longo, you're getting a lot of Commanders fans listening to this right now. Very excited with a comment like that. I'm just warning you. Uh, Sam Howell, the increase in rushing yardage for him. You know, he wasn't that much of a factor with his legs over his first two seasons as North Carolina's starting quarterback, but he exploded as a run threat this past season for you guys at Carolina. A criticism out there, and I'm sure that you've heard it and or read it, is that Sam Howell this past season was almost too willing to run. Is there validity to that criticism? No, I think Sam ran because he needed to. And, you know, we have 
we have certain pass plays that we deem scramble plays. I mean, if you're running mesh, you're not going to, there's no scramble yardage in the defensive box because all your receivers are there. Four verticals is a different deal. I mean, if, if you're throwing four verticals and, and, uh, there's nowhere to, to, to check the ball down to. There's usually a lot of grass. I mean, it takes a lot of people to cover four verticals. So when people are extending vertically to take something like that away, there's a built-in quarterback draw there. And, and uh, we wanted to take advantage of that stuff. We also needed to replace 2,000-yard rushers. So there were design runs. There were draws. Uh, there were scramble plays that we talked about that we really wanted to take advantage of Sam's running ability. And it was something we needed to do because the cast of of characters around Sam changed drastically from the first two years. Another concern regarding Sam Howell that comes up, and again, I'm sure that you've heard this and or read this, is that you guys at North Carolina ran a lot of run-pass options, a lot of RPOs, and at the NFL level, you can only run the RPO so often, and so this might make for a difficult adjustment for Sam Howell from college football to the NFL. Uh, Do you buy into that or no? No, I... Whether he throws three RPOs a game or ten, which we 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 threw an average. Sam triggered. Not called many more than that, but Sam triggered between three and five RPOs a game. I don't see him doing that anymore. I, you know, they're not doing that any more than that in the league. We called far more RPOs at times just to allow our routes to block people, and and that's one of the reasons we led the ACC in rushing. It's because people have to defend the RPO routes, and it gives us an opportunity to clean the box and, and run the football. So you know, our O-line never even knew when we were throwing RPOs. So I, I don't think that if they ask Sam to throw RPOs, he'll be good at it. Um, but from a short game, an intermediate game, and especially a deep ball game, he's not going to have any, any difficulty understanding the progressions and or making the throws. It's, he's going to have to go through the same transition that all college players have to go through, and that's getting used to the speed of the NFL game. I don't know how much you care about pro football focus stats, but Sam Howell over his three seasons as North Carolina's starting quarterback had an overall grade in fourth quarters for pro football focus of 92.4. That ranked first in the FBS during that span. Howell, per PFF, was the best fourth-quarter quarterback in the FBS over the last three seasons. Does that jive with what you saw? Like, was there something about Sam Howell to where he rose to the occasion in the fourth quarters of games? Yeah, I I think that, uh, you know, and it's so hard if you're listening to my opinions with regards to Sam Howell to not sound biased because I have such a tremendous relationship with him and I've coached him for three years, but his, his, maybe his greatest asset is his ability to, to not be so emotional in a game, you know, and I, and I'm, and I starting to sound like a broken record, but I mean, you never, you can never tell if he's up 20 or down 20, you know, he plays with great enthusiasm and great competitiveness. He does not play with, uh, you know, where he's wearing his emotion on his sleeve. He's, he's really, in my opinion, an unflappable kid. And I think it was a huge asset for him in games because, you know, and this is something I say to him in our, in our meetings, it's so hard as a human being in any walk of life to be consistently efficient. It's hard to do something at a high level, play after play after play after play for 60, 70 plays a ball game. 
and Sam has the unique ability to do that. And and that's why his production was so consistent over three years. Um, and in a and in a situation like the fourth quarter when you you really can't let the emotion get the best of you and you really need to probably be the most focused, he, he has the ability to do that because it's just a natural part of his personality. And so I you know, I think it's another aspect of Sam Howell that's only gonna help him you know, in this next chapter in the NFL. All right. Phil Longo, North Carolina offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. He coached Sam Howell for all three of his seasons at Carolina. Coach Longo, great to get your insight and perspective. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you for the invite. You guys have a great week. You too. Uh, Like Coach Longo said, he's biased, okay? He's going to have glowing things to say about Sam Howell, but some really good nuggets from Coach Longo and what he just said to us about Howell. Up next, the second special guest on this installment of the Al Galdi podcast, Smokin' Al Koken of NBC Sports Washington. Uh, Al will preview the Capitals' first-round series in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The opponent is the best team in the NHL this season, the President's Trophy-winning Florida Panthers. Game one at Florida is on Tuesday night at 7.30. What would it take for the Caps to pull off the upset and win the series? Smoke and Al will answer that question. He'll address the Caps' major question at goaltender and much more straight ahead. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Tuesday night is the night for the start of the Capitals' run in the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. Game one for the Caps at the President's Trophy winning Florida Panthers in the first round of the playoffs is on Tuesday night at 7.30. You know, for years, there has been no greater certainty in Washington, D.C. sports than the Caps being in the postseason. Uh, The Caps this season are in the Stanley Cup playoffs for an eighth consecutive season, for a 14th time in 15 seasons, and for a 32nd time 
in 39 seasons. Uh, Really is amazing. Of course, though, uh, 28 of the Caps' 31 completed appearances in the Stanley Cup playoffs have resulted in the team being eliminated in a first or second round, including the Caps being ousted in the first round in each of the last three postseasons since winning the Stanley Cup in 2018. What is going to happen with the Caps this postseason? Well, I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast a friend and a man who really is synonymous with Caps hockey, Smokin' Al Koken of NBC Sports Washington. Uh, I worked with Al at the Team 980 for years. Uh, I've done shows with Al. Uh, Al is as much of an authority on the Caps as anyone. Al Koken has been a part of Caps coverage in the D.C. area since 1984 when he joined what was then Home Team Sports and now is NBC Sports Washington. Uh, you can follow Al on Twitter at Real Smoking Al. Al, it's great to talk to you, man. How are you? Al, it's good to talk to you. It's been too long. Yeah, it definitely has been too long. Uh, before we get to the particulars of this Cap series with the Panthers, I do want to get your take on the Caps very up and down last month of the regular season. Uh, some great wins, but also some hideous losses. Uh, the Caps for the last month have been about as Jekyll and Hyde as you'll see a team be. I mean, the Caps good has been great, but the Caps bad has been awful. Now, the Caps did end the regular season in a bad way. Four consecutive losses, including two really ugly regulation losses to the New York Islanders. What do you make of how the Caps' regular season ended? It was very discouraging the way the season ended because they went through their their lull through January and February, but really started to turn things around at the beginning of March. And we're playing excellent hockey through March and almost the entire month of April. And you really thought that there was going to be maybe a move to get to third, not that facing the New York Rangers and, and Igor Shosturkin would be a walk in the park, but it, it seemed on paper anyway that it may be a little better than what on paper they're facing with this uh, Florida Panther team, who is as high-powered as any team in the National Hockey League. But then all of a sudden, it just went cold. Losing four straight is one thing, but kind of the disappointing way they lost. Uh, they they blew a, a, a 3-1 lead late against the Toronto Maple Leafs in a game that really could have been a, a big springboard. And then they just <clears throat> were completely flat in the final three games, maybe a little better in that last game against the Rangers. But that was a very disappointing and I got to say concerning way. Now, a few days off, everybody can get some rest, get get back to being a little healthier, uh, certainly can make a difference. But you just don't like to see a team kind of having to find themselves again, as opposed to being right on track as the playoffs start. Yeah. What to you was going on with the Caps during their rough ending to the regular season? You know, the, the knee-jerk reaction, and not that it's necessarily erroneous, but they weren't getting good goaltending. Uh, you could you could make a case, uh, and, and we did some of this on NBC Sports Washington, that there was, in the games that both Vitek Vanacek and Elias Hemsona played, and they split the final four games, you'd see moments of brilliance. I mean, I think in that Toronto game that I talked about, uh, there was a 2-on-0 break that Vitek Vanacek made a save on that was completely outrageous it was unbelievable and then yeah on the goal that made it 3-2 was the defensive coverage a little too loose in front of him yeah but a goal that kind of gets squeezed between his arm and the post and you're like 
hmm, that's a soft goal. And the same thing with Samsonov, some brilliant saves and then some shots that you're like, that's got to be stopped. So I don't want to put it all on them because I do think that there was a lack of emotion. I don't think the energy was there. Um, you know, and, and the goaltenders, you know, always I think sometimes get get blamed a little too much, particularly when the defense in front of them, and I don't mean just the, the defense men, but the entire team defense in front of them kind of falls apart. But it, it was concerning to me to see that lack of kind of energy. You thought they want to, at least after that second Islander game, after they got handled at home, you'd think you'd want to go, or you think you'd want to go to, to Long Island and, and take care of business, and it may have even been a more disappointing performance. So those are the things that really kind of concern me. Um, but we have seen this team play at an elite level. And the one thing I think everybody's banking on, if you're pulling for the Capitals, is their experience is something that you really can lean on. It does make a difference in the postseason. Um, yeah, talent sometimes wins out. But I do think the Caps, with that experience, and a Florida team that doesn't maybe have as much in their DNA is kind of the one area where you would say, if the Caps can pull this off, that's the reason why. We're previewing Capitals Florida Panthers in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs with Smokin' Al Koken of NBC Sports Washington. So with that Caps goaltending, Caps head coach Peter Laviolette on Monday morning said that an announcement on who the Caps starting goaltender for Game 1 at the Panthers on Tuesday night will be will not come until Tuesday. Who do you think that goaltender will be? Who do you think that goaltender should be? I'd go with Vanacek on both. Um, I think there was a stretch during that run that we talked about where the Caps were playing some really good hockey, where Vanacek was brilliant. He had some of the best five-on-five numbers of any goaltender in hockey and then got hurt against the Pittsburgh Penguins and just hasn't been himself since that point. But I do think when you talk about who's had at least that type of stretch that you hope can get on in a playoff run, I think the guy who showed you that he has that in him has been Vitek Vanacek. I think I saw a stat the other day where there hasn't been a single month where Ilya Samsonov's save percentage has been above 900. So I just think all things considered, I would, if I was Peter Lavillette, go with Vitek Vanacek uh, and see what you can get out of him in game one. Tough ask. Uh, Samsonov has had some moments against Florida, and I don't know if that's going to play into it, but I would, my guess, and I think I would, if I was in Peter Lavillette's shoes, start Vitek Vanacek. Statistically speaking, it's really not close. Vitek Vanacek has been better than Ilya Samsonov this season. And I say that recognizing that it's not like Vanacek has been great. But, you know, with this Caps goaltending situation, Ilya Samsonov was supposed to be the guy. Vitek Vanacek was never supposed to be the guy. The Caps took Samsonov with the number 22 overall pick in the 2015 NHL draft. And he just has yet to put it all together at the NHL level. And he's had some off-the-ice situations. Uh, at this point, the Caps organization, does it still view Ilya Samsonov as the goaltender of the future, or do you think that that now is very much up in the air? i, I got to be honest. I think it's kind of very much up in the air at this point. I don't think they they quickly bail on him because there still is, you know, a, there is still is time to get this kid to be the goaltender they expected him to be. And as I said, when you see some of the saves he makes, I've always, 
I've always said if you could kind of combine the technical excellence of a Vitek Vanacek and the raw athleticism of an Ilya Samsonov, we wouldn't be having this conversation on who's the number one goaltender. But both of them have their strengths. Both of them have their weaknesses. And I think the overwhelming athleticism of a guy like Samsonov catalyzes you. It's an Alice like, you know, when you when you see a guy that, that can bring it 100 miles an hour but can't find the strike zone, do you automatically discard him or do you hope he can turn into Nolan Ryan? You know, yeah. it's, it's one of those things where you can't completely dismiss it. And yet when you're trying to win something right now, I think you've got to go with the guy who at least has been a little more consistent in Vitek Vanacek. When it comes to the great eight, uh, Alex Ovechkin, this upper body injury that caused him to miss each of the Caps' final three regular season games. It certainly feels like he's going to play on Tuesday night. Uh, Peter Laviolette on Monday morning said that everything with Ovechkin is moving in the right direction. It's safe to say that uh, Ovi will be out there on Tuesday night. I think Ovi didn't he say it himself. Hey, I could have played if it was the playoffs, you know, which is typical Ovi. Remember that earlier injury he had against the Philadelphia Flyers and uh, came back, you know, came back in the next game and everybody goes, well, when did you know you come back? Goes, oh, that night. You know, I mean, it, it is with Alex, but I think there is a, a very smart move on the part of both Alex and the Capitals, uh, the coaching staff and management and training staff to say, listen, those three games, yeah, could we have moved into third place against the Pittsburgh, uh, you know, over the Pittsburgh Penguins and face the Rangers, as I talked about earlier? Yeah. But when you've got a guy who is as valuable as Alex Ovechkin is, and we, you know, we can kind of say the same thing about Nick Baxter getting in that last game of the regular season off, uh, you know, guys like TJ Oshie, uh, you know, the, the veteran core last year at this time, so many of them, Ovi included, were battling injuries, and that really cost the Capitals dearly last year you could you know you it was a very disappointing performance but then when you found out later on how many guys had surgeries how many guys were injured i've always said anytime alex ovechkin tells the russian national team i can't join you for the world championships you know he is injured not just hurt and he did that last year so i, I think to try and give yourself the best chance and try and take the injury excuse out of it or the injury factor out of it, this was the smart way to go. Now, we all know that in the postseason, you know, one big hit from Ranto Gudis tomorrow can change the complexion of everything. But at least I think they've got a better start to the postseason in terms of their overall health than they did last year. With the Panthers, uh, a very formidable opponent for the Caps in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, obviously. Uh, Panthers won the President's Trophy with an NHL-leading 122 points for the just-concluded regular season. Uh, the Panthers in the regular season had an NHL-best goal differential of plus 94, scored an NHL-best 337 goals. Uh, the Panthers have one of the best forwards in the NHL in Jonathan Huberdeau. It sure doesn't feel like a great first-round opponent for the Caps, but we know that upsets in the Stanley Cup playoffs happen quite a bit. Beyond quality goaltending for the Caps, what would it take for the Caps to pull off the upset and win this series? You take away from Florida what Florida does best, which is scoring off the rush. And I think that's one of those areas where if the Capitals can 
rediscover their overall team defense and use their size, their physicality to kind of hem Florida in and get them frustrated. A team that's used to scoring goals at will and suddenly finds in the playoffs not the room they had in the regular season, that can be a real advantage for the Washington Capitals. That's something that I mentioned about that experience that can bring you know how to play playoff hockey. The Panthers haven't had the extensive playoff experience that the majority of this Capitol team has had. And if you can kind of slow the game down a little bit, button it down a little more, and take away some of the things that Florida does best, then you may find out that, you know, Florida gets a little frustrated. Florida starts to take a few more chances than they should because they're, you know, trying to do it the same way they did it in the regular season and could create some turnovers, things like that. And the other thing I would throw in there, Al, is Sergei Barbovsky can be spectacular, and he's had a bounce-back season. But if you look at the games that the Capitals have played against him, be it in Columbus or be it in Florida, they've had pretty good luck against him. And that's something I know the Capitals, you know, could could you and I have be having this conversation two weeks from now and going, man, you know, Sergei Barbovsky just stood on his head and, and stoned the Capitals. Yeah, he's more than capable of that. But I do think the Capitals going in have the confidence to know we've beaten this guy in the past and we can do it again so i would kind of combine those two things as, as areas where i would think the capitals if, if you are to pull what everybody would say was a huge upset because i think it's only uh, nashville and colorado where the the odds against the uh, visiting team are greater than it is with washington and florida that's something that i would say that the capitals could use to turn the tables on the panthers yeah, great point on Sergey Bobrovsky. Smoke it out, Koken. Uh, very nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Next time we'll talk Nolan Arenado, all right, Al? <laughs> I, I know you'd like to. Nolan Arenado has been outstanding for your St. Louis Cardinals so far this season. We could talk Arenado and Jose Okendo. How about that? Uh, all the best to you, Al. You got it, Al. Good being with you. Well, the Orioles on Monday night began a four-game series against the Minnesota Twins at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, and the O's on Monday night lost, although they again got a good outing from their starting pitcher. Uh, This surprisingly good Orioles starting pitching continues. It's a shame right now because an Orioles offense that I thought would be good hasn't been good, and this surprisingly good starting pitching is like going to waste. In terms of the O's winning games, although bigger picture, the surprisingly good starting pitching is very encouraging. Uh, the O's lost to the Twins 2-1 at Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Monday night. The O's this season now are just 8-15. and 15. Uh, The O's on Monday night scored just one run, totaled just four hits, worked just two walks, went 0-2 with runners in scoring position, just two at-bats with runners in scoring position for the O's the entire game. Uh, The O's this season now are just 26th out of 30 major league teams in team OPS at 613. Offense is down across the majors. Uh, There's no question about that, but the O's have been really bad offensively relative to the rest of the majors. But the O's on Monday night again got a good outing from their starting pitcher. Uh, Tyler Wells was the Orioles' starting pitcher on Monday night against the Twins. Uh, He was facing his former team in the Twins. So the O's selected Wells from the Twins in December 2020 in the 2020 Rule 5 draft. And Wells on Monday night was good. One run in five innings. Uh, He had four strikeouts versus no walks. He gave up just four hits, a double 
and three singles. He threw 62 pitches, 46 strikes versus 16 balls. How about that strike-to-ball ratio? 46 strikes versus 16 balls. Uh, Wells began his outing with four and a third scoreless innings, including retiring the first 10 batters he faced. Here was O's manager Brandon Hyde during his postgame press conference on Monday night on Tyler Wells. He was throwing the ball so well, super, you know, first couple innings super quick at bats and um, really happy with how he's throwing the ball his last two starts. Pitched out of trouble there in the fourth, uh, only gave up one there in the fifth, and um, but has done great. Yeah, Tyler Wells has done well lately. Uh, He's transitioning from being a reliever to being a starter. Uh, The idea with him had been for him to participate in tandem starts, but the tandem start thing really hasn't materialized. But Wells now has been good in each of his last two starts. Uh, Wells in a 5-2 loss at the New York Yankees last Wednesday night. Two runs in five innings. He had four strikeouts versus no walks. Uh, As for Brandon Hyde pulling Wells on Monday night, despite him pitching well, and despite him having thrown just 62 pitches. Here was Hyde on that. We need Tyler to pitch for us for this year. And so, you know, it's, it's a, that's the challenge, honestly. It's not, I don't want to take him out, but it's, it's a challenge right now. Um, and so, you know, he reached five innings and got him out of the game. Yeah, I was fine with Brandon Hyde pulling Tyler Wells on Monday night when Hyde did. Uh, The O's this season now are 12th in the majors in starting pitching ERA at 353. I don't know anybody who expected that, but that is a very nice development. Uh, Game two for the O's against the Twins at Oriole Park at Camden Yards is on Tuesday night at 7.05. Bruce Zimmerman will be the Orioles starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 307, will be a big show. Uh, I'll have more for you off the Commander's 2022 draft. I will post-game game one for the Capitals in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Caps will be at the Florida Panthers Tuesday night at 7.30. And I'll talk Nationals and Orioles. The Nats on Tuesday night at 8.40 will begin a three-game series at the Colorado Rockies. The O's on Tuesday night will play game two of their series against the Minnesota Twins at Oriole Park at Camden Yards beginning at 7.05. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. I think Sam will be that fifth-round draft pick on the 30 for 30, talking about look where he is now.